And we are live, everybody. Welcome to the Cafe Hangout. It's John Pollock and Wei Ting here with you for over an hour to take all of your phone calls. We're going to go through a bunch of news items. We will get some viewership figures from Wednesday night and lots in store on today's edition of the Cafe Hangout. A guestless show, but you are our guests each week, so you get top billing if you want to call in later on in the show or Skype in. Either one. The welcome method. Contact us however you choose. Yeah, Carrier Pigeon. Carrier Pigeon can't get in here. The window doesn't open, so mm. I would not be able to get a carrier pigeon note in time. But you could try. We could accept it. You could it. train the pigeon to talk. Maybe how's it going to enter the window? I mean, oh, you, could, you got you got a small window. I'm saying it doesn't open though. There's not. You could, it, there's you could a screen. Train the pigeon to yell loud enough. I think anything through possible. the glass. Through the the carrier the carrier pigeon yeah. is going to come here. It's already got this talent to carry a message, and now you want it to learn what, what language? What, what language does a pigeon speak? Well, obviously, Canadian English. Canadian English? Well, yeah, all pigeons. Oh, yeah? Would be expected to so speak. So it's a, it, it, it would uh, spell things with an O-U-R at the end. It would be that. Say, it would say A, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, like we all do. I mean, it's designed to carry. It's not like a, uh, uh, a stenographer pigeon. It's not, you know, taking notes. It just carries. You, a carrier you know pigeon. With enough practice, with, with enough training and the right mindset, you can do anything. I'm more than happy. I'm always a fan of old technology that comes back for whether it be nostalgia or practical purposes. The carrier pigeon I would not be banking on, but I'm fine with it. it I would it's say, way too easy to contact people these days. Make them work for it a little bit. Sure. It's like um, you know buying a, a vinyl record. It's like an album, the carrier pigeon. While we're on the subject of this. I've talked about this before. Of these, you must just be inundated with these same emails from people about, "Hey, checking out your site, have a, some really great ideas for you." Like, I feel I'm going to have some fun with these. I'm going to start responding to them. I mean, they're they're all robots, aren't they? So I don't even. Know I want to see what the see. response is like. Like, if I engage and say, "Huh." What what article drew your attention uh, to my site? They're very annoying. Um, and one of the drawbacks of, I guess, having a website and a public email on a website. Ugh. Yeah. These are hard times in the world of John Pollock and waiting. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into some news. And uh, we're going to go a different direction because I think the, the biggest news today is actually from Mixed Martial Arts. And I want to start off this um, uh, uh, unfortunate a uh, bit of news coming courtesy of TMZ, who reported uh, just a few hours ago that former UFC heavyweight and light heavyweight champion Randy Couture uh, apparently suffered a heart attack on Wednesday. The TMZ report here states that the 56-year-old legend, a three-time UFC heavyweight champion, walked himself to the hospital on Wednesday after feeling something was off after a workout at the Unbreakable MMA gym in L.A., he was, he was admitted and treated immediately. The good news, sources close to Randy tell us he's expected uh, to make a full recovery. And uh, I have reached out to uh, several people to just try and get some clarification and confirmation on all of this. But that is the TMZ report. And hopefully uh, the portion about a full recovery is accurate for uh, Randy Couture, who, of course, does a uh, color analyst work for the Professional Fighters League and, you know, someone that is just so uh, synonymous with mixed martial arts. I think that he is maybe you, you could argue, um, you know, from the 
beginning of his career in 1997 uh, through 2007, maybe the most well-known MMA figure during that 10-year stretch. Certainly, yeah. We've had the pleasure of working with Randy, actually, for a time at uh, the Fight Network in, in its early days. And um, just, I would say, Beloved would be an understatement, you know, just following him, him around Las Vegas and, and just seeing the amount of respect that he, he, he received, not only from fans, of course, but also from fighters. Yeah, I mean, had his last fight right here in Toronto in uh, uh, UFC 129 at the Rogers Center against Lyoto Machida. That mm-hmm. ended up being his retirement fight. And I got to interview him the day after that fight at the Eaton Center of all places, where one day after taking that front kick knockout by Lyoto Machida, uh, he did his personal appearance the next day. and Without teeth, and he refused to, like, really... like He, was he somewhat- had glasses on. He was somewhat self-conscious yes. about about the, the showing the teeth thing. But, yes, um, but yeah. I got a call stated because I think we were scheduled to do this interview. And then after the loss, we were assuming he, you know, he had to go to, the, I believe he went to the hospital afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we were thinking he probably is not going to be in the mode to be doing interviews. And I got a call that someone was there and said, uh, Randy's willing to do one interview and he's willing to do it with you, uh, with, with your outlet. And yeah. I've just, I raced over there. I was your camera guy. You were my camera guy. And then we did that interview, and it all came together very, very quick. And uh, then I was scolded for uh, going and not alerting enough people that we were going to do this interview. Uh, So I had to apologize that we got an exclusive interview with Randy Couture the day after his retirement, and I realized that someone I worked with... uh, is it was absolutely on, out of their mind. It was on a weekend, and I guess somebody didn't feel like doing the extra work on the weekend, or wasn't made aware of it. So it, it, we don't have to, We don't have those issues now, uh, working for ourselves, of course. But yeah, it's it gets difficult when you involve more people into things, for sure. Yes. Um, thank you so much. I put in my request three weeks ago with Way uh, to take my portable microphone to interview John McCarthy on Monday, <laughs> uh, and thankfully Way got back to me on Sunday, giving me uh, clearance after he had gone through all the specifics, and I got uh, I got permission to go do. I sent it to our interview. department in Sweden. They yeah. cleared it. It was all good. <laughs> the mysterious Swedish department, yeah. which was a real thing. Anyway, uh, we 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 say this uh, lightly, but obviously we wish the best for Randy Couture yeah. and that he has a full recovery. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, a heart attack, no matter what, is always uh, extremely serious. Uh, he is 56 years old, and we hope that he uh, makes a complete recovery. Mm-hmm. The other big story going on today came from a press conference that Conor McGregor held in Russia in association with this uh, betting site that he's an ambassador for. So he flew to Moscow and stated that he is planning to fight on Saturday, January 18th against an opponent that he could not name yet. He said he has a name, but he did not want to state it because the UFC could flip it around. Um, ESPN has reported that January 18th is what the UFC is targeting, that the candidates are Justin Gaethje, but that the leading candidate is Donald Cerrone for that fight. But uh, in speaking to ESPN, Dana White has stated that they are far from finalizing this deal. So it very much comes off as um, Conor McGregor putting the public pressure on the UFC to make this fight and now dangling it in front of the public that it will be the UFC that come off as the bad guys if this fight does not happen. But it seems Conor McGregor certainly uh, jumping the gun here to state uh, his plans to fight January 18th. And then he said this is the start of his season because after that he wants to fight three times next year where he would fight on January 18th. Then he wants to fight the winner of Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, who fight next weekend at Madison Square Garden. And then toward the end of the year, fight 
Everyone's expecting Habib Nurmagomedov to defend the lightweight title against Tony Ferguson. He wants to fight the winner of that, hoping it's Habib, and it would be in Russia. Wow. And there was... uh, Now, this all comes as Conor McGregor is at the center of two sexual assault investigations. He has not been charged. um, But that, of course, is hanging over all of this. And I want to give credit here to uh, Aaron Bronstetter at TSN because... Uh, Not only did he watch this all, this was done in Russia. So there was a question that was asked in Russian and Aaron was able to uh, get it translated. So I just want to read you this. This was the closest we got to any of the um, reporters. It sounds like this was the only inference to the the recent allegations. So the journalist got up and said, Connor, my name is Anar. As an interviewer, I want to open you up from another point of view. Let's move away a little bit from sports, from Habib. You are a top, top, top sportsman. I'm interested in your relationship with the mass media. Often, we see news of not a very good nature. It's like Conor McGregor assaulted a 20-year-old woman. And then the the host, um, there was someone, I believe, representing the, this betting company that was also on the podium with Conor. Um, there was also a woman doing the interview. So one of the hosts here says, we don't want to talk about it now. Look, act normally. I know you for a long time. Act like a normal guy. Do you have another question? Let's go to someone else. Wow. There you go. That, I mean, was, that was the handling of... And listen, I think that this is... It, you would be remiss not to look at Conor McGregor uh, being very strategic here in making a big announcement with the hope that it's going to deflect a lot of the negative publicity that came with that New York Times report on Saturday, uh, linking his name to this sexual assault investigation, and that this serves as a distraction that now we are focused on Conor McGregor fighting and getting away from that. I'm sure there was a certain strategic element to this. Perhaps. The idea of, of just, you know, I think always with combat sports... Um, the idea of like using PR to to your advantage in a business sense, but also just like a strategic sporting sense, even. I mean, it's it, it's a game in, unto itself. Yep. And I I think somebody like Conor McGregor is exhibiting clearly like a pretty interesting grasp of of the whole concept, and it's almost as interesting to see how he maneuvers, you know, the the pregame rather than just the fight itself. Now, how do you feel if you know again going back to the fact that he has. In both investigations, he has not been charged yet, um, mm-hmm. but he is being investigated. I mean, it sounds kind of silly to imagine, is the UFC or ESPN going to have any reservations? My answer is, I don't think they will. Of course um, not. Do you, as a consumer, have any issue of <laughs> focusing or even, you know, buying a pay-per-view? Um, h- how do you feel about that, just from a kind of moral standpoint? You know what? It's such a... I admit it is a bit of a conundrum, because, like, I am such a fan of like his his fighting and his the the hysteria surrounding um you know just a Conor McGregor fight to me is like the most engaging thing you can have right now in mixed martial arts at the same time like i i really have to like weigh my own morality to say am i willing to you know give money to this guy essentially by supporting him through a pay-per-view buy it's 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 really tough but i i i would certainly have to look at the case and you know how maybe, uh, you know, uh, validated um, maybe the evidence is. But it, again, it's not even so much, to, you know, up to me, is it? You know, it's it's certainly a difficult decision, I have to say. Yeah, I think it's uh, something that everyone is uh, going to have to weigh in their minds. If this fight um, 
ends up happening, which again, it's uh, Conor McGregor would paint it like this is just a done deal. But uh, from all accounts, it, it is not. Uh, Ariel Hawani had some additional notes that Conor was pushing for a December 14th fight with Frankie Edgar. UFC was not interested in that fight. They've also got three title fights booked for that pay-per-view, and they weren't scheduled to do a pay-per-view in January, but Conor McGregor wanting to fight, they are going to uh, create that date, but still have to be able to finalize everything. So uh, we'll we'll see where that goes. But those were uh, two notable stories coming out of uh, Mixed Martial Arts today. Um, On the wrestling side, uh, where would you like to start today? Uh, We can get into any any bit of news. Um, You know, I, I would also maybe... Uh, open it up to to some discussion with our audience as well if they wanted to talk 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 about anything in particular maybe we can uh in the downtime get into some of our more more uh co- detailed reviews yeah if you want to give us a call the number is 732-800-4423 or you can skype in just search for post wrestling and we will be taking your calls throughout the show if uh we get any calls we will uh interrupt our discussion to go to the calls because we definitely want to open it up to you uh throwing it out there a uh, reaction to wednesday night's offerings of both aew dynamite and nxt we have nwa power to discuss i also want to know of anyone that has played WWE 2K20. Yes. I don't play any of these games, but boy, have I just been entertained by the um, the glitches that have just taken over. And this is, I think IGN, it, IGN gave this thing a horrible rating. It just sounds like this game uh, has been terrible. Everybody's been given it a, a terrible rating. Yeah, I'm, I'm not on top of all the, the video game stuff, but I'd be curious for those that are uh, yeah. to compare it to past games and what... Uh, there at the heart of the issue, I believe, is uh, uh, Ukes. You know the previous developers of of these. Uh, I mean, dating back to to SmackDown on on the PS and uh, former PS1. owners of New Japan. Yes, uh, they had apparently left production for this particular game. Oops, there's that beautiful Skype tone. Uh, we'll get to we'll get to this caller in a, in a quick second, but. Um, yeah, so it turns out like uh, you know, as developers, they they were left. Two K was was left to, to themselves to essentially replicate the engine and design it from the ground up themselves, and thus, how did that uh, work out? A very rushed game that you have to release once a year, uh, and all the entertaining glitches that we've seen. Caller, uh, do you have uh, what what is on your mind? Welcome to the cafe. Hey, gentlemen, it's Paul from New Jersey. Hi, Paul. Hey, Paul. Nice to talk to you again. Nice to talk to you too. Actually, you read my mind. I was calling in for Two K Twenty. Wonderful. First, I. Oh, yeah. First, I wanted to say um, I'm like right at the end of the review of Dynamite. And man, those songs are fantastic. Are they what amazing? A, what a uh, they are. What a great contest. Like, no, um, no joke. I think we have better theme song entries than wrestlers have entrance music. Like for the vast majority, I have to say every single one of those things was definable. I still remember them like uh, one evening after. So thank you again, everybody. And the video is up there on our YouTube, youtube.com slash post wrestling, or of course, uh, uh, the, um, the, the, the podcast from last night as well. Yeah, I was totally blown away by how great they were, but yeah, um, my buddy's a big uh, gamer and he has been talking about this game coming out for like six months and to sit there and watch him be so upset and disappointed last night was in a way kind of funny, but like, like the engines are bad and like I tried rolling out of the ring and my guy just got stuck there and I was like, Oh, this is not good. A lot of glitches and, um, Maybe not necessarily to the game, but one thing I took that was really funny is out of the four horsewomen, I think Charlotte's like a 90. 
um, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Becky Lynch is a 90. Charlotte's like an 88 or an 87. Bailey's an 86, and they have Sasha at an 80. And we both just looked at each other and it's like, ah, see what happens when you take time off. Are, are these the new PWI 500 rankings? Because the only people I see get upset about these rankings are the wrestlers themselves, and I find it hysterical. But it's, yeah, a, bi- it's no, a big like, deal, I, I guess. I mean... I don't think like the ratings are too much big of a deal. Like, but when I see that Sasha Banks purposely got an 80, we kind of looked at each other. Like, I wonder if that was because of spite from the WWE. Like it kind of seems like that was something that they might do. Like you said, I don't think the rankings matter that much, but I have to say we laughed about that. But yeah, do they actually the play is- like a different, like I, again, I, I'm a total novice to this. Do they actually affect like the gameplay of the character? Uh, the the rankings like are there are there superior skill sets when you're actually doing a match with someone that's an 80 versus someone that is an 86 i mean yeah if you're if you're like sasha and you're trying to beat becky it's definitely going to be a lot harder i just i kind of laughed because it seemed like that was a spiteful move on their part that i wouldn't put past them but otherwise yeah I, i do see people like i know like a lot of football players get really annoyed and you know like you said overall it it shouldn't be that big of a deal but i just laughed at that but yeah the game is uh it's it's funny because like man as as much money as this company is making as well as they're doing like with the draft and the game it's like they're dropping the ball a lot but I guess they're doing okay so is this an issue though where you really blame WWE or is it more of a 2K problem I mean obviously WWE's really, name is yeah. attached to it but who who really shoulders the blame for this one Yeah you are right way it's really not WWE's fault they kind of got left in the dust 2K by I think I think you had mentioned the uh, whatever the graphics Yuke. team so. Yeah, it was. It really wasn't their fault, but it's just. I guess it's still just not a good look. But uh, yeah, anyway, just found that interesting. And yeah, those uh, the songs were uh, fantastic. But uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. Thank you so Thank much, you, Paul. Paul. Always appreciate the call. Yeah, it was also pretty noticeable. Like I, I didn't even realize till Tuesday, like that this game was out. Like it's not like you got some big push on Monday for this. Like it seems there's mm-hmm. more in the trailer being released and getting the pre-sale orders out than it is the they actual air, release. They date. do air the commercials constantly, and uh, by this point, I've been so numb to them that I don't even realize what. Well, to date me, they when promote. they're when they're thrown into commercial breaks and not in the body of the show, you're going to lose a lot of uh, engagement. Know, you could say that for a lot of their their products that that have WWE on their logo. Uh, using the body of the show to promote, but yeah, um, I think that goes for NXT as well. I think they there's a certain uh, aversion to uh, just promoting your own kind of in-house products as well. Maybe where you can, maybe where WWE can perhaps somewhat shoulder the blame though is is the fact that this this schedule of like demanding a release every single year, I mean, obviously affects their bottom line as well, and they very much require a new video game to be released every every yearly in order to really kind of you know fulfill that quota. Um, could they have possibly taken the year off if this development was in such trouble? I think we you don't. have to look at the sales figures. If people are still buying this game, then you know what? You're the, clearly the joke's a, on them. I it's, mean, you're clearly affecting the brand. So the, by, by the point 2K21 comes out, people are going to be very, very cautious about uh, you know whether or not this game will deliver. But if this game does, you know reasonable numbers compared to years past, then what really is the lesson here? It's that we have an audience that will buy this game even if it's complaining about it i guess ultimately this year's test will be seen next year if it turns people off that they feel burned by this year's game it's like the the nielsen ratings except they're they're a year apart basically uh yes sure let's go back to the phone calls caller you're on the air what's up hey it's tom from vermont how's it going hi tom hey tom uh one well i got a few quick things but about uh, the video game I, I have a Nintendo Switch, and this isn't the first year that the WWE game has been really bad. I know last year when it came out, it 
it immediately came out and was released at half price. It was so bad. Like, I know, like, in the tag team modes and the four-on-fours, it got so slow where it, like, wasn't even playable, I guess. So, I mean, it's been, like, a few-year thing that this kind of keeps happening, and they kind of go directly into the discount bin. Do you buy the game every year, Tom? Uh, No. Um, I probably haven't played it probably in, like, the last two years, but I did... Uh, see a few reviews on it and everyone panned it as it being a game to miss definitely it's made me really want to play it actually i uh, <laughs> i could be very frustrated maybe if i had spent uh whatever it was 70 80 bucks on this game but i mean i find it hilarious <laughs> it looks so much fun like see I've, I've been watching like youtube highlights of people just like finding these glitches as like a party and it's like the most fun ever trying to figure out to like seeing ronda rousey shake on the ropes <laughs> Yeah. Anything else on your mind, Tom? Yeah. Um, actually, I had one comment about Raw. I mean, overall, it wasn't the greatest this week. But was it me or was Selena Vega amazing? Like, she was the high point of Raw for me. Like, I thought she was I, and great. And the cameraman kept, she kept, um, whoever was working camera kept going back to her, like, over and over again to her little hissy fits. And it seems like she's, one of the few traditional managers who actually like gets involved in a match. And yeah. I don't know. It's kind of refreshing. She kind of reminds me of Sherry Martel in a way. If they get fully behind Andrade, she is going to be an enormous, she's going to be the key to that, uh, to Andrade getting over to that next level that can speak for him. Very good on the mic. I think, uh, I think everyone's been high on Zelina Vega ever since she was paired uh, with Andrade. It's a great role for her. It's been, it's been unfortunate that ever since Andrade's call up, it feels like she's been taking a bit of a backseat. And I don't know if that's due to them wanting Andrade to kind of stand on his own. Andrade himself wanting to speak more for himself in English, but I would say her lack of presence in the, in the duo has negatively affected the both of them. So hopefully with, I would say, maybe a bit of a refresher in the creative direction of Raw, she could start to take more of a lead, you know, that, that made the, the, the Axel magical in NXT. All right. Well, thanks a lot for the call, Tom. We appreciate the, uh, the video game review and uh, the question about Zelina Vega. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I did want to talk just uh, briefly a bit about NXT. I thought... I thought we had four awesome hours of wrestling oh, on yeah. Wednesday night. Like, Wednesday these two was shows, good. Like I feel, I feel so positive <laughs> after after like a Wednesday night, Thursday morning. You know, like between AEW and and NXT. Like Tuesdays are great, Wednesdays are great, but we go back to to Monday and and Friday, and it's like the the, the cynicism of like, especially my Twitter timeline is is like a total one eighty. But the middle of the week is excellent. Yeah, this this show uh, was capped off with. A uh, really great three-way involving Roderick Strong, Keith Lee, and Dominic Dijakovic ending with Strong stealing the pin after to Keith Lee in this match. That Topicon hero was yeah. as fright. Uh, I mean, frightening. It's not. I wouldn't compare it to the Ace Romero spot, but I had a similar reaction to both. Far more but, graceful uh, f- and far more. He landed it. He landed on. He his landed feet. it, and it looked incredible. I was just. I, I was amazed by that. And then it ends with this big sit-out power bomb off the top by Lee Strong with the running knee, and then he steals the pinfall, pinning Keith Lee. Uh, but then that takes us to the close of the show, where Champa comes out. Everyone's going crazy for him. He's staring down the undisputed era. Johnny Gargano stands uh, next to him. DIY chance. Finn Balor is the last one out. And then 
How many times have we been sick of the, the chair shot turn where you just shift your hips and hit the guy? This, he goes to take a step forward, boom, into the, the backflip kick and nails Gargano Amazing. out of nowhere. Amazing. It was awesome. So good. And then the bloody Sunday onto the ramp after drop kicking Gargano into the guardrail. And Very it was, physical it was a regular. It was a regular bloody Sunday, not the reverse bloody Sunday. No, this you was know? like the full A head version. drop bloody Sunday on a ramp. Yes. So I think a clear signifier that this guy is returning, you know, as he said, to, to his past, to his heel roots that we've seen outside of the WWE. It was a great ending. My question for you, do you see this building to a couple different matches at uh, TakeOver, or do you see this being the War Games setup? That your, your baby... Because f- I was thinking about this coming out of the main event. Yeah. I could really see Lee and Dijakovic coming together to either take on the mm-hmm. tag champions or be in a team for war games with Gargano, Ciampa, and you'd have to find a fifth, which Velveteen Dream would have been that fifth, but it seems like he's out legitimately. Of the people that they have to choose from, it's not difficult to find a fifth person to just insert into this feud, and it would be a huge coup for whoever that person is to be in the spotlight. But I like that idea a lot. Because yeah. I, I don't want them to go, go to go, uh, Cole and Ciampa so quick yes. in four weeks. I could see them doing Gargano and Balor that quickly uh, after this angle. But I really like the idea, especially that that moment where Lee and Dijakovic are on the floor. They just stare at each other. Mm-hmm. The place goes nuts. And I can see them not wanting to go back to another match between them. Yeah. That they come together to take on O'Reilly and Fish um, in some kind of program. Uh, whether it be a takeover Certainly. or after that. There, there were a lot of different ways you can go after that angle at the end. I thought it was great. I'm very excited about the top mix right now. And I think Finn Balor, just like his introduction, you know, as, as uh, we mentioned on this podcast, to, for him to just do a retread as a babyface of what he did previously would just feel like a step back. You look like you have something to say. What is it? Would you say that he was in need of a fresh coat of paint? Uh, you could say that, yes, yes. I but, like how you can now just spot it from me. I can't, I can't hide it. I you can't don't hide like. It. You don't, I just, it's like you my, don't smirk for no reason. <laughs> you don't smirk unless you have uh, some some something funny to say. But we, you know. we've also got the Kabuki Warriors coming in next week to defend the tag titles against Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. What did you think of the promo with Oscar and Kai? It was a tape promo, mm-hmm. and I really like Oscar in this role. I mean, ideally, these are two great baby faces. Oscar, I really like in the heel role. Saying it's. It's a really tough. It'll take some adjustment, I think. I think they've really still yet to find their voice. Um, right now, it, it really is is just more like painting your face and speaking Japanese to get heat, which, in full sail, good luck. Because next week, I mean, the return of Kairi Sane and Asuka to, to NXT... I, I think this this crowd understands what the what the drill is. They will oblige and they will boo as necessary. But they, they didn't have... boo Balor on that turn. They were all chanting yes when he hit Gargano with the Bloody Sunday. Like when you do a big angle these days, it's tough not to get a positive reaction because people like big turns and big angles. Uh, but they're not really a revolting crowd. They're a very cooperative crowd. And I think if they they sense that the program calls for a negative reaction to to Kyrie Sane and Asuka, they'll give it to them. What I find interesting is that will they make mention of Kyrie Sane being backstage with Io Shirai, both of them being heels heels now. Will there be any connection there? Um the match is going to be awesome. So I almost think like any character work is is, is secondary. I, I can't necessarily say awesome because I think it's a real test for Dakota Kai and, and, and Tegan Knox, but yeah. I think the atmosphere of seeing Kyrie Sane Nasuka in full sale will be a draw in itself. And I love that like NXT has been like 
you know, really picking from like WWE's immense talent pool. We've seen people from 205. We've seen people from UK drop in, even people from the main roster. Like it feels like Hunter is truly taking advantage of everybody that is under the umbrella. Yeah, we got Tyler Bate on this show. He's mm-hmm. going to take on Cameron Grimes next week. That match with Matt Riddle and Cameron Grimes was tremendous. Was very good. I, I've been so high on uh, Trevor Lee, Cameron Grimes, mm-hmm. going back to like the CWF Mid-Atlantic when he was their champion and the matches he was putting out. And I would just watch him on Impact where he was just he was just another guy on Impact. And I mean, he's really getting he to me has been a, a low key uh, breakout on the NXT on USA run like they gave him the the cave in finish getting those quick wins and then. They tried it immediately here, and Riddle was able to offset it, and they ended up having a, a tremendous match. I was really impressed with Grimes here, more so than, like, I, obviously in, in the squashes. And I, I feel like, you know, his selling is fantastic, great comeback at the end. I don't really understand, though, giving the dude five-second squashes only to have him, like, you know, basically give up 90% of the match to Matt Riddle here. Uh, I think it was just... You know, it it felt like you went several steps ahead that he could have benefited from some more of those wins because you want to pay it off with someone being able to withstand the cave-in off the top here. But I think the performance overall, like this was... um, I like this match as much as the main event on NXT, maybe even a bit more. I thought that this match was just tremendous between the two. I just don't see... Riddle doesn't have a program at the moment. He's sort of... He could be the fifth guy. He could be the fifth guy. Yeah. You need, you need a spot. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great mm-hmm. place to put him in. The show itself, I thought moved at an, at an excellent pace. I thought there was even like I think both shows now are so like densely packed. I could use some breathing room to be honest with you, but because they're going head to head, you're going to see a, a real unwillingness to do that. But I think NXT provided that a little bit more. I thought this was the best NXT on USA so far. It was I didn't including have... the takeover or um, the first one. The, the first one, the, um, like week uh, three, I mean. I thought in terms of the two-hour pacing, I thought this one was, was the best paced of the two. Um, yeah. Maybe n- nothing at the level of Cole and Riddle. Um, Certainly the, the angle at the but... end, damn, was was that great. You know, uh, great blocking. In that. And to me, I love the standoff between the two teams. And this is where, like, to me, the meticulous detail that WWE pays to, like, camera blocking and camera angles that's where it really pays off when you get great execution of a closing angle like that but you know i think of the two shows nxt feels like the more complex and maybe slightly more polished viewing experience with aew feeling a lot more improvised and a bit more raw to its benefit as well with obviously a much better atmosphere uh, so that was NXT. You can also download uh, Brayden Davies' Up Next show. They have a full rundown of the two-hour show. This caller has been waiting patiently, so we go back to the phone lines. You are in the cafe. What is going on? Is it me? Yes, it is. Hi. Oh, hey, guys. This is uh, Jay from Colorado. Hello, Jay. I'm um, just calling up to say how exceptionally happy I am with the last two days' worth of wrestling. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, you guys hit it on the nose. Monday and Fridays just seem such like down points these days, but once Tuesday hits and it's AEW dark and NWA power and you know on to NXT and AEW the next day, I mean, my God, it's made Wednesdays uh, something to look forward to. Um, in fact, I said to my daughter the other night, I said, you know, if you ever see me watching wrestling on a Monday or a Friday, it's probably a bad day. But a Wednesday is a good day. And she came downstairs last night as I was watching uh, um, AEW, and I was just, you know, really enthralled. And she was like, oh, it's Wednesday, so it's a good day. Well, there you go. That's how you can define your uh, your mood swings is the day of the week. Yeah, exactly. Now, I know this isn't going to happen for War Games, but, man, wouldn't it be cool if Finn Balor was like, I'm going to bring my friends from the OC down? 
and we had mm. OC versus Undisputed Era. I know it's not going to happen. It's a dream match, but my God, that'd be amazing. With them all being heels, I don't really know how well that works. I, I also feel like, I mean, as I'm not that like high up on, on like the OC AJ aside being in NXT. I just I think the the train's kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I just I wouldn't want them there permanently, not at all. I was just saying as like a one one time thing, but um but uh wanted to give one more comment on the WWE 2K20. Um I'm actually one of the suckers who did pre-order it cuz I've been buying these games for the last 4 years. So definitely the worst in the series. Although I do have a place a soft spot in my heart for really bad glitches <laughs> and because I mean it just it, it can take a game from like oh you know I'm kind of having fun to like oh my god this has been the most hilarious night of my life. <laughs> there is something with the referees in this game where they'll suddenly get like completely jello legs and start <laughs> Officiating the match while like like while army crawling around on the mat, it's just amazing. These videos I've seen are like the 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 visuals of nightmares. You know, I saw one of like Kurt Angle, like his head just like doing a complete like one eighty degree turn into his body and then back out and then just it, it is it is creepy. Can you tell me like it? Is something like that even fixable via updates? You know, are there patches that they release for for things like this? Is this game even fixable? Uh, you know, it is. Um, the question is with uh, Ukes and 2K kind of splitting on it, how much they're going to be supporting it at this point. Um, there was a rumor going around that when uh, things uh, that go bump in the night patch that comes out on Monday with the Fiend character and some other things, that there's going to be a patch released with that. But uh, apparently that's a no-go now, so no one knows when the patch is going to be released. Um, hmm. And that's kind of unfortunate because there's people who spent a lot more on this game than I did. I know, like, the $100 collector edition was supposed to come with an autographed card of a superstar. And there's a bunch of people who got just cards of Edge without the autograph. And I heard Edge actually has gone out and he's making it right himself. Yes. But that should be 2K doing that, not Edge. Mm-hmm. This has been, it, it sounds like quite the misfire of a game on many fronts, and it just seems like this was an overwhelming process, and they just rushed a game out that was not ready, on, and on that's, the promotional front as well. That's totally what happened. I will say, though, James Ellsworth is actually in the game. Oh, okay. He wasn't, he wasn't in the game last year because he got released right before it got, it got put out, but this year there's a character called Ribby, which is just a giant rib. Oh. And if you, if you in the editor, I'm glad we had the time uh, to figure the, this. On this PC little was uh... able to take off his costume, and it's totally James Ellsworth under it. So they just reused a James Ellsworth model that they didn't use last year. So when you weigh so. the good and the bad, it's it's fairly equal when you have uh, the Ribby yeah. character in there. Okay, well, <laughs> when that's... the glitches are the best thing about the game, that's not good. <laughs> No, <laughs> thank you so much so, for, for awesome the uh, review. <laughs> we got some great reviews to this game. It sounds like shit. Oh, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking about this game way more than we have in the past. I will say, like, it opens the market like wide open for a competitor to step in, and, and I know AEW has. You know, well, it also puts the pressure on them to you've got to get it right. Oh yeah, for like, sure. Take your time. Don't yeah. rush a game to market just because there's a holiday season coming up, or just get the game right because mm-hmm. I think that you want to be able to have the quality instead of just the immediate buzz that an AEW game would get off the bat. I really do wonder, like, maybe, you know, how advanced talks ever got between AEW, because I know Cody and I know, like, 
Kenny have tweeted about possibly working with the AKI engine yeah. to create something for AEW. I wonder how advanced those talks are because certainly there would be a demand for it right at this moment. Let's go back to the phone lines here. Caller, you are on the air. What's up? Evening, it's Jamie from Cambridge. How are you? We're doing Jamie. well. Hey. Sorry, sorry to ring earlier on. I weren't sure whether or not I needed to hang off or just keep on ringing. So I thought I weren't sure. So I'll wait and see what happens. Sorry about that. Oh, no, no. It's um, perfectly fine. No, absolutely. Uh, what did you want to chat about today? Yeah, a couple of quick things. About 2K20 seems to be the hot topic tonight. Um, I actually cancelled my pre-order because I heard, obviously, the rumours online that it wasn't going to be very good. Um, mm. But I think Ukes actually were going to leave to um, 2K because they were going to try and do internal competition for WWE to do another WWE game. So I don't know if they're going to do like they did SmackDown hmm. and the Raw series for like the other consoles or something like that. So I think that's what the idea was. Sorry, so so uh, they, they do have a deal with WWE or they are looking for a deal with WWE or what? What is it? I think when they originally broke away, they were going to try and do internal competition game as still WWE, but not a 2K WWE game. I so, think that's what the so, general idea so li- was. So licensing with WWE officially. That's right, yeah, but huh. doing a separate game away from 2K. Interesting. Okay. So I don't know what will happen with that. Um, the quick thing I was going to really talk about, um, do you remember a couple of weeks ago I sent a photo of my talk boy to try and play the cassette that you sent me for the Patreon? I think so, yes. Sorry, the, to- the, the, tall, talk boy. the tall boy. Tomboy? The um, Home Alone um, talk boy. The oh, home talk, alone boy. Thing. The talk the boy. Talk boy. <laughs> yes, I do remember now. Yes. It didn't work. Oh, no, the talk boy didn't work? No, so I'm, I'm visiting family in Chicago in November, so hopefully I can hear the podcast on the plane. So oh, fingers man. crossed, we'll get to hear it at some point. Oh, poor thing. Okay, well, if if you really have trouble, let me know, and I'll I'll, I'll hook you up with a digital file if you really need. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for having the call, guys. Thank hey, you. No problem. Thanks, uh, Jamie. Uh, I'm, Bye. I'm just going to read this quote. This was from uh, Andrew Thompson's uh, update on the site on Wednesday when uh, Lionel Jinx what a name the creative director of visual concepts uh did an interview with GameSpot and talked about uh the creation of this game and with doing it without the involvement of ukes and he said i think freeing is the first feeling that you get when you realize that now all the ideas that you had and wanted to pursue are now at your fingertips that's the first feeling you have and the second one you have is the reality where that sets in and where you're like oh Now that it's all ours, that means that we have to write tools and write systems and actually understand how these things were really put together. Every system in the game, every piece of code, and every art asset had to go through our pipeline. Had to go through us, and it was our responsibility to make sure that we understood everything that we're putting in the game from front to back, right? And this is 20 years of just Uke's code, Uke's art, Uke's pipelines that we had to take apart and understand. Not only understand, but make it ours and try to make it better at the same time and make it as good as it was. And to do it in, I would say, less, probably less than the span of a year, which yes. is, is probably no easy feat. And God, what a, what a bit of a nightmare. But how do you like that bit of spin? Oh, it was freeing. It, it was, was freeing. Freeing, yes, yes. We've been free of praise. We have been free <laughs> of critical acclaim, but... Hey, we got the game out. We Listen, I, I can sympathize with uh, the team that was probably tasked with, hey, this is the curveball you're dealing with. This is the date. There is no negotiating this date. We have to hit the market at this date. It says 2K20 on the, on the title. That's it. Yeah. And it's like, hey, team, I don't care if this is not possible. Make it happen. Yeah. And that's sometimes you what... You suffer the consequences. That's kind of what you have to do. And yeah. we, we're kind of seeing the, the end results and... I'm sure. I'm sure there are positives in this game too, but it seems that it is I'm the not that sure, it honestly. is the glitches and the problems that are going to be front and center. And I think they're going to clearly know this. And the lack of um, 
you know, you didn't hear about any reviews of the games ahead of time. It didn't seem like there were many, if any, review copies going out traditionally to outlets that would typically get a game in advance. So, I mean, that's that's by design, too. Let's go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're in the cafe. What's up? Good afternoon, man. Oh, my goodness. How are you? Brandon Castor. You know, I'm disappointed. I didn't, we didn't get a submission from you. Yeah, I was expecting like concept. the Dungeon of Doom entrance theme with the, uh, the constant laughter. I thought that would be Brandon's entry. <laughs> uh, I'm saving it for the, for the holiday one. Oh. Are you guys still doing the holiday contest, right? Oh, probably. Yeah. Christmas jingle. Sure. Oh, come in. Count me in. All right. Okay. I'll give you a reggaeton remix. A what? Reggaeton remix? A reggaeton, yeah, reggaeton remix. I, I heard. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, um, John, you were talking about that that JRU in a, a whiskey the other night. I, I got a connect that 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 can hook you up if you're interested. Uh, is it sold in Canada, or do I have to go to New Jersey to get this bourbon? No, I mean we sell it in the states, uh, but it would have to be an exchange for steam whistle. Do you guys not get Steam Whistle in the U.S.? You're, you're not missing out on a whole lot. I mean, Steam Whistle does the trick if you it's just fine. want to have a drink. It's but better than Canadian. It's it's nothing I would cross a border over. No, nah, we don't carry it out here. The closest you can get is in Buffalo. and It's like seven hours away from you. Way and I are like 15, that. 20 minutes away from the Steam Whistle Brewery. We could go right to the brewery I now. I oh. went there when I was down there. It was great. I loved it. That's a, that's a lie. You've never been to Toronto. I've never seen you here. <laughs> Wait, Salvi, I was fucking right next to him. <laughs> very Did I, though? Did I see you? If I didn't see it, it didn't happen. Uh, hey, Brandon, I, what's, what's going to happen this weekend uh, in Bellator? What are you, what are you looking forward oh. to? Well, I was looking, more looking forward to my ask, and that's going to be dope, right? That, I, I'm not crazy about the card, but that main event, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that main event, actually. Uh, Grappler's Quest, right? I think it's going to be. I, I I think it's going to be a lot like the Jake Shields fight. Uh, I I think there's a very good chance this thing could go five rounds, and I know that there is the risk that this could be a dull fight. But I'm really intrigued whenever it's Damian Maya taking on you know a high level wrestler, someone like Ben Askren, who I think comes in with his own questions after the Masvidal knockout. So it's an interesting main event. We'll we'll see what pans out. It could be it could be a disaster, but we'll see. Oh, the Douglas Lima fight is going to be great too. That's going to be an awesome uh, fight on Saturday. I can't imagine that being a disappointing fight. Is that going to be his last fight? Is Rory McDonald going to hang it up? Because I mean that Robbie Lawler fight uh, took years off his life after 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 that brawl. It's insane that it's been four years since that fight with Robbie Lawler. Um, If he loses, uh, the idea of Rory walking away wouldn't be shocking to me. Um, I don't know. I think it's. I think after the Neiman Gracie fight, it seemed like he had a more kind of centered view on his career of mixed martial arts as opposed to the John Fitch fight where I think everyone was just stunned that this guy was going to come back six weeks later and fight. So I don't know. A, a, a second fight with Douglas Lima and going potentially five hard rounds, like this could be a fight that does a lot of damage to Roy McDonald as well. And he's taken a lot of it since uh, since 2015, but even uh, fights he had prior to that. I mean, this guy has been fighting... Uh, for his entire adult life, uh, he's had he's thirty. But look at the miles he has put on him. So I, I don't think it's out of the question on Saturday. Can he come out as the as the water boy one last time? Because uh, what's his nickname now? The Red King. The Red King. Yes. Maybe he'll have a new nickname on Saturday. 
Um, and uh, I got a couple uh, questions. I want to I want to run off real quick. Um, but one serious question: that do, do do you think the rating is going to be low uh, today due to the the doubleheader last night NBA? Um, I'm more so looking at the uh, the baseball game last night, wasn't it? Didn't the World Series start last night? I'm completely out of the mix. Yeah. Game two was last night. Game two was last night. So, yeah, combined with basketball, uh, I, I think both both shows will probably take a hit. I think more so from baseball than basketball. But, yeah, it's uh, probably going to see both shows down. All right. I, I, uh, quick questions real quick. I'll get out of here. Um, but the DNA ideas for Moose, um, you, uh, uh, do you think he should, uh, you know, run up against, uh, build him up like he can go up against Ray Lewis, Pat Jones, D'Angelo Williams, and uh, – and maybe David Bix's fan at the end. What do you think about that? And uh, <laughs> did you see Tyler Bates out there last night? Uh, he looked like he was going to go club with Damian Priest. Okay. <laughs> Th- thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Bern. Thank you. <laughs> He's like uh, the match you watch that uh, kind of like Ken Shamrock and Moose that, you know, you come out, you don't overstay your welcome, and you, you go out on a, on a high. And he usually does like a few more Hurricane Ranas and then – uh, it ends with a dive where he nearly kills himself, and luckily we saved him at the end. We go back to the phone lines. Uh, who can follow that? But I think we got Hanzi. Yo, what's up? What's up, guys? Hey, Hanzi, what's up? Nothing much. Uh, yo, listen. Uh, uh, I just want to say that I, I I'm with you guys. I thought uh, you know NXT delivered uh, the better main event. Uh, like I I didn't listen. I, I I've been a stickler for the whole like time limit draw because I thought I think time limit draws are pretty cool when you got a real big brawl going. To me, I wouldn't have ended the AEW with that, but I didn't mind the t- time limit draw. But just the the closing angle of NXT was insane. But uh, the question today's not really a wrestling question. I know you guys are talking about it on your podcast. I I wanted to get your thoughts on. The Joker movie finally. I want to know oh, what you guys. Are, dude, we, we almost forgot. I I have it down here. We were really we going to get to it. Oh my goodness. Because okay. I, I'm, I'm I'll get off, but I want to know your interpretation because people, you know, people were hyping this up like, oh, it's going to be an incel type of movie because the aesthetics of like you know angry white guys, right? But to me, I didn't think it was an incel movie. I thought it was more about like you know the the, the structural class of of, of capitalism affecting people's mental health and all that and mm-hmm. i kind and, and way i i know you're a huge dc fan way so i want to know Not your really, thoughts but... oh, oh really yeah. I, I i thought you were more a dc guy too okay well, my bad but i want to know what your what your guys thoughts were about how they kind of made bruce uh not, not bruce wayne tom wayne kind of the heel in this kind of thing i kind of dug that mm-hmm. mostly and and has that been done in a comic book way that Thomas Wayne co- comes across as a heel, or is it, was that just like the first time in a movie that's ever been done before? You know, and I'll take a thank I'll take a thank you, Hansi. Thank you, Hansi. I'm really not familiar, but I would imagine in all the iterations that we've had of all of these characters, that at some point that has happened. I know much of the inspiration for this film came from, uh, I think it was Brian Azzarello's Joker, which, um, you know, anytime anytime you're tasked with the the goal of making a origin story for a supervillain, you need to kind of make that motivation realistic. And in order to make it realistic, like, what do we say the best heels are? The Like, the best villains are the ones who think that they're the heroes in their own story. So from his perspective, like this movie was, of course, Batman's father was was the bad guy. I, I thought it was wonderfully 
like poetic the way they tied it all together. Well, that's it. And this, like, this is a character movie about Arthur Fleck and Joker. Like, you are watching his world through his eyes. Mm-hmm. So that is how Thomas Wayne is presented because you are watching as Arthur Fleck. And there's a lot of sympathetic moments for Arthur Fleck when he's bullied, when he's attacked, when this guy, you feel that he does have um, positive um, positive characteristics that end up driving him to this darkness that culminates with the end of the movie. I don't want to ruin the entire thing, but I think that's also where some of the critics uh, came out critical of this movie in the sense that are they glorifying what he ultimately goes as a solution? And I took it more so as I don't think anyone starts as wholly bad. Mm. It is a progression and it doesn't justify the means at the end of it, but it does peel back. Like, how does this person get to that? If you're simply analyzing this from uh, the Murray Franklin scene at the end of it, well, it's we're starting from the beginning of how how does this happen? How does someone get to that moment? Uh, and that's something that I think they dove into a lot here. And yeah. I, I didn't think that that was uh, an incorrect way to go. I personally don't know if like the producers of the film thought thought of making any sort of political statement when they were creating the film. I think they just wanted to create a believable, realistic interpretation of how this, you know, the most evil supervillain of supervillains came to be. And I think they created a very realistic interpretation. I mean, starting off, I think, with just um, – I would almost say maybe it was almost a um, maybe a little too simplified the way that they kind of got there, starting with like you know a, a mental disorder coupled with uh, I would say very kind of almost like – Simple and almost like kind of generic, you know, forms of like bullying, like somebody picking on somebody. But it has, it does occur, I'm sure, in, in real life. Nonetheless, I think it was extremely well produced, great attention to detail, and an unbelievable performance from Joaquin Phoenix, who just like imagine having a, you know, we we've seen uh, Jared Leto try to you know step step into the 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 shoes of of, of Heath Ledger, and in Joaquin Phoenix, I think just not only did he i think manage to find his own spin on it but in some ways in there, some there ways some... surpassed i think the 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 Heath Ledger performance as well i think that there's elements too like this was a such a tremendous performance and it's almost as much of just him as Arthur Fleck that yes we don't really get like Heath Ledger it's very much he is judged upon his role as the Joker mm-hmm. and here uh it's almost the duality of the two but um, yeah, I, I thought he was tremendous in this film. I thought that the, you know, kind of like the comparisons, like this being like like an incel film. Like I never took his like his hatred at the world to me. It was never directed at females. It's not as though he was this person that like it really wasn't a movie about a guy that just had this this hatred towards women that he couldn't be with. Even the uh, you know the fictitious relationship in his mind Mm -hmm. that uh, i'm trying to uh dance around plot points here but yes yes um i i personally feel like it's more of an attempt to understand you know what would drive somebody to Mm -hmm. actions similar to this and do you feel it glorifies those actions like he is presented as a hero at the end of this i don't doubt that or received as i don't doubt that the People. Well, yeah, I don't doubt that the movie would be interpreted that way by people who see it, you know, who already maybe are predisposed to feel that way. 
Um, but I would suggest for people who do maybe, you know, kind of identify with it to understand, look at within yourself and say what led to me having this level of resentment so that I, I identify with this person. And I think that's what the movie does. It tells you what role do we all play in our in society in creating people like Arthur Fleck, you know, and I think, you know, next time somebody thinks about just like, I don't know, uh, poking fun at like this really weird dude who laughs for no re- reason. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> present company, uh, notwithstanding, um, we we have to you know look at look at our our role and, and maybe create a bit more sympathy for people who are p- perhaps you know on the path. Yeah, I, I did like kind of the um, the way in which they were able to give the reason for Arthur Fleck to come up with the name Joker, which was just the offhanded remark by. Murray Franklin when he's thro- showing the the stand up footage yeah. and calls him the Joker. Sure. Okay, that didn't really. It's like okay, that's a little man. <laughs> to me, that was a little convenient, but well, you ha- you kind of have to. I, I mean, like they, they they gave it a reason for it, and yeah. um, no, a- any other performances or observations about the movie? You know, it really was like a Joaquin Phoenix like one man show. Yeah. Like yeah, you know, I think Robert De Niro. It was okay, maybe more so there just for uh, symbolism, you know, like being uh, attached to taxi driver. And now, how is this going to be handled as they move forward? Will this spawn a sequel? Was this kind of isolated from other? I like, believe Joaquin Phoenix has said that he's open to doing a sequel. Uh, Todd Phillips, the director, has said that he will never. This character will never uh, interact with Batman, at least not not in like a headlining role. Right. Yeah. But I mean, listen. Warner Brothers, I'm sure, is seeing the the box office success of this and the critical acclaim of this, and I'm sure, you know, they will do anything they can to try to get a sequel or or try to integrate this person into the larger world. All right, uh, do you want to go back to calls? Let's go back to calls. Sorry about the the long wait, but a lot of people wanted to hear our thoughts. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. Caller, you're on the cafe. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey. Hey, it's uh, Chad Rivera from Illinois. How you doing? Hello, Chad. Chad, what's up? Hey, uh, just a quick question, and I'm sorry if you guys addressed this on your AEW review last night. Uh, due to watching it and work this morning, I haven't had a chance to tune in. But are you a bit surprised that they're giving the final of the tag team tournament away on free TV rather than pushing it back uh, a week or so later? and having it on full gear. It just seems like when you have a pay-per-view model, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess would due to the network, people are used to nowadays paying, you know, your $10 a month or whatever it is, rather than having to pay $50, you seem like you want to have as much to push for people to buy that pay-per-view rather than giving it away on TV. I uh, just wanted to know what your thoughts were on that. No, I think it's a, it, it's a valid um, question about, finishing the tournament my assumption would be that they have a plan for the pay-per-view and i can only hope that it has something to do with the lucha brothers winning the match ricky and robert presenting the tag titles and then being attacked by the lucha bros and the rock and roll express challenge pentagon and phoenix at full gear could you imagine i'd be down with that how many bookings have the rock and roll express gotten this year it's unbelievable they've been been booked by everybody they've been active they were on spring break they've been in new japan they just need to hit up AEW. and they're on nwa yeah yeah now they're going to be presenting the titles next week uh in west virginia they're going to be so my my impression i i would imagine that they've got an idea for a tag title program at the pay-per-view and 
you know, you do want to do some big things for TV. And for next week, it's thus far, that's the only thing that they have done so far. And I think that the silver lining to doing it on TV, the whole show can be built around that final. I think it should be the main event. Mm -hmm. And you go off the air. These are main event titles and really putting a lot of pomp and circumstance into crowning your first set of tag champions. And setting up your next challengers immediately, I would say. Yeah, you could. Anything else on your mind? Uh, just to add to the, a lot of people are talking about WWE 2K20. Uh, I haven't played the game. I do play, uh, I've played the previous year's installments. Um, but just when you, from a a video game standpoint, the the developers, they had to know that they had an inferior product Mm -hmm. being released. I know they probably wanted to meet that deadline and also for Christmas, but at what cost? Because uh, in today's video game, video game world they know that there'll be patches and stuff like that but it's almost defeated when the first week of your game being released it's just getting panned by critics by fans by just about everyone on there um i I just don't know why it's something they couldn't have pushed back say around right around wrestlemania season that seems to be if they knew they needed a couple extra months to work the kinks out to package it right around there it it just seems like that would be the the optimal idea when you know you have a game that is just garbage. Why release it to the fans right now? Because no one's going to buy it unless it's either discounted, um, like people have said before in the bargain bin, or or something else is done with it. But I, I just don't understand why you release a garbage product with when trying to get the most money for it. But I don't know. Uh, this mm-hmm. game is—it uh, just seems to be a garbage fire. Any Th- way you look at it. Thank you very much for the call, Chad. Uh, we'll uh, we'll discuss um, maybe uh, probably a bit more about this with uh, some of these other callers as well. Uh, we go back to the phone lines here. Caller, you're in the cafe. What is on your mind? Hey, it's MJ live in New York. Hi, MJ. Nice to hear from you. Hey, guys. Um, I wanted to piggyback off something you guys talked about on the AW review, but quick detour those submissions for the audio contest were incredible like so that was so much fun to listen to and follow for the last few weeks from the forum mm-hmm. uh, so props to everybody mm-hmm. um you guys talked about how over uh the, the group of baby faces felt and how is there anybody that over in wwe and the answer is only one guy has reached that level this year and it was kofi kingston mm-hmm. and like three weeks ago they basically told all the fans who were into him Shut up. We don't care. He's not over. Goodbye. And that's it. And then they kind of did it with The Fiend, I guess, recently. Um, Did you see JR's comments on, I guess, his podcast today, a response to Rollins, but also talking about the WWE as a brand and not being about performers anymore? Uh, Why don't you repeat what he said? Yeah, so I don't want to, like, direct quote it, but the, the short of it is is that he was responding about Rollins' comments calling AEW minor league. He said that it's just bad for the business, that everybody's out there trying to do their best and put on great products, and it's kind of just disrespectful and, and cheapens the industry when you have someone calling other promotions that are doing well um, minor league. And he then pivoted to talk about how, um, you know, Rollins is in a position right now to be kind of at the top of the food chain there. But really, the brand, WWE, is what's selling. Um, it's what sells WrestleMania. It's what sells shows and house shows. It doesn't matter who's there. So for somebody like Rollins to be out there making these kind of comments, it's like, well, there will be a day where one day you're not in favor with them. And then what? And you're burning all these bridges. I just thought it was really interesting, the idea that 
the brand WWE is way stronger than any one performer. And does that model work in terms of generating buzz and generating really sustainable growth? Um, Because again, like metrics, we're going to find out next week are just down quarter after quarter for the last year plus. And TV rate deals are old news. Um, So it'd be really interesting to, to kind of see what that model looks like going forward now that we see other stars really standing out and, and doing something uh, different. Thank you for the call, MJ. You're going to have to uh, cut this short just due to the very windy streets of uh, New York where you are, but uh, appreciate the call as always. Yeah, I don't think it's a yes or no answer. Um, I, I think it's very clear right now. Like the, the WWE brand is positioned at a, at a certain level that, you know, when when WrestleMania sold out last year, it was done so without any matches ahead of time. This game, honestly, will probably sell simply based on name value alone. There and I go. think next year will be very much the same. How it, many people are paying attention to these reviews? Certainly probably a great deal, but I, 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 I'm willing to bet they, they, they still do decently for in the games department going forward. It's like we've, we've departed from John Cena, who was a, a reasonable uh, house show draw. And it's, you know, no one has really stood out that they are worth x amount more to a house show when they're on it like that's very much where you are at and there's a stability to that but it's not all unlike a a ufc card that you know you can put a title fight or two together but it's going to be your superstars that see those those giant peaks when they they decide to fight it's always going to be a superstar industry and wwe you could argue at the moment do they have a superstar on their roster at the moment a superstar that means that much more to business at the time you have stars varying degrees of them but i don't think you have that that breakout star at the moment that is um that is hand that is driving business so i would say uh, you know top stars in the company right now according to who they're pushing roman reigns and would you say becky lynch becky lynch have Seth they Rollins. done a good enough job with the ones that they they have the ones that they're focusing efforts on putting them on the, on the video game covers putting them on the red carpets and, and I whatnot. think I think Roman Reigns is a lot cooler now than he than he was a year or two ago yeah. I think that Rollins is at um no Rollins has a, I would say, a pretty, at this point, critic. like, I see a lot of the fan reactions, even from, like, just, like, the diehard WWE fans who I think are really starting to sour on Seth Rollins based off of everything. Um, what about Becky Lynch? I think Becky Lynch is a, is a star within WWE, but I don't th- I don't see her being a, an enormous mover at the moment. I, I think she's colder than she was earlier this year. Mm. So that's, if those are your, your top three, um, you know, Brock, Brock Lesnar is a, he is viewed upon as a star, but we see when he comes back to TV, it's not like there's a giant swing nope. in viewership when he comes back, and it's you know it's it's relative degrees, but that guy that's going to be that massive difference maker, it's it's not there at the moment, and you know in terms of like the back and forth comments, that's always going to happen. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not unlike AEW has not made it's. That's part of this. That's part of this. And there's fans that love that stuff. So I don't really get too hung up over that stuff of either side going back and forth. There's going to be weeks Kenny Omega makes comments and there's going to be weeks that Seth Rollins makes comments. And I think the fan base eats that stuff up. Yes. I don't see it being all that um, negative to either side. I think each side has uh, passionate fans that they want to have that, that kind of stuff. Back to the phone lines. Caller, you're in the cafe. Hey, guys. It's Jeremy in West Virginia. Hi, Jeremy. Um Hey, yeah, I'm going to uh, AEW next uh, week. It's actually our first time for having a TV taping here in 19 years. Uh, last was WC, WCW Nitro in 2000. So actually my first wrestling show. Uh, so I think it'll be crazy uh, to see the whole scene. Uh, 
down here. Uh, we're actually throwing, for anybody that's coming in, uh, they're throwing a uh, uh, pro wrestling block party uh, around the uh, arena. Okay. Uh, it's called uh, Elk, Elk City Pro Wrestling Party. So if anybody wants to look that up on Facebook, uh, Ace Austin is coming in from uh, TNA. Um, and Facade uh, uh, is going to be there. He wrestled some in uh, Ring of Honor as well as Jason Kincaid. It's been with Evolve and DDT. Uh, so it should should be fun. It's it's all free. Yeah, there's free food too for anybody coming in. I'll be there uh, repping my post wrestling t shirt uh, for anybody that's uh, that's coming wants to say hey. Um, but I just had a quick uh, question about AEW versus NXT uh, kind of thing, uh, and it relates back to what you were just talking about. Um, I think the whole thing now with uh, with wrestling is really promoting the atmosphere over the superstar. Uh, since, uh, you know, WWE really doesn't have that one star. And I think the thing that's getting AEW so much attention is that everybody wants to be a part of it. And it's such a fun atmosphere like they had last night in Pittsburgh. What do you guys think? I mean, fr- from a live event perspective, I think that it's like, I think that's always um, a, bi- a strong positive with a hot company is that when you can convey that atmosphere, whether it was uh, a hot crowd for ECW or just, you know, a hot environment that a crowd, they want to be there. It feels like the hot event to go to. And I think AEW has that at the moment. Uh, from, from the larger sense, though, I think that you're, it's still dictated, I think, by having those those breakout stars that are going to be able to move numbers on pay-per-view and and ultimately dictate your television viewership when you're talking about a, a much larger public that are not buying tickets to a market-specific event. But that's – to me, it's, it's part of conveying the popularity of a product, and I think that the atmosphere watching these AEW shows, um, they make the stars feel bigger. That was certainly the case on Wednesday night, I felt. That Pittsburgh crowd was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'll make sure to send a live report in to you guys on the forums. And thank you guys so much for all, all you do. Thank you very much, thank Jeremy. You, we appreciate it. Um, as well, Impact was holding a conference call today. And during the call, Scott Demore noted that the door is open for Kylie Ray to return. So it would indicate that she's not signed, but um, perhaps we will see her back uh in the knockouts division. She would be a great pickup for them. So we'll see where things progress with her and impact. Um, you got you got any bit bit of news or do you, do you want to go back to the phones? Uh, if we've got calls, let's keep going. We got with calls. The calls. Let's do it. We got calls, and we got our man Neil <laughs> making a making a, 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 a one hour in a phone call as usual, uh, which we appreciate. So, what is what is going my, on, my man? How are you guys? Hey. I'll try to be quick because you're probably right up against the ratings coming in. Mm-hmm. But um, just a quick thought on the top star thing, you know, that was just mentioned. I think a top star really has to connect, come through the screen, you know, almost. And we haven't seen that in years. And it's really hard to do in the WWE system with those goofy scripts. You know, you see what that does to somebody like Rollins. I think the closest to it at the moment, and just in terms of sheer charisma, is Montez Ford. But he's probably not physically imposing enough for Vince, you know, who, who's famously this body guy, you know. Mm. But I also wanted to get in there and say that the theme competition was uh, priceless, brilliant. You know, the, the standard of the uh, – I wish I had an ounce of some of the talent, these guys, um, who submitted um, uh, theme songs. Your, yeah. themes for your consideration. Have. It, was, it was really good, and I, I really particularly enjoyed the video. Um, because your real your real time facial reactions was half the fun. Um, I want to shamelessly steal a quick joke from Jamie in the chat, which is that if that 
if that carrier pigeon arrives at your window with a Burberry scarf, you should watch out because <laughs> he's getting in. And he could break glass. Thought, yeah, of course. Yeah, I thought I thought it was funny anyway. Um, and I just also <laughs> wanted to agree that Wednesdays are such a tonic, you know, um, AEW and and uh, for me, uh, um, NXT, they're almost equally as good as each other. And they're almost like the anti-venom for what happens on Monday and on Friday. For your second dose of venom on, on Friday, yeah. Precisely, yeah. And I okay. almost feel, if this makes any sense, that it, if it wasn't for the non-Vince television that we've got now, I'm not sure I could stomach only Raw and SmackDown. I think I might have to move on to just VOD on some of the other promotions. So it's sort of, in a way, mm. I feel like I can... It's a trend. Yeah. It's a trend, Neil. A lot of people have have done that over the past year. We've certainly heard about it from our fan base, who I guess largely relies on our podcast to keep up to date with main roster stuff. Uh, but certainly, more and more, I think this audience feels like they are not being serviced or even targeted. I would say with yeah. Vince McMahon's WWE product. So, I only think that'll continue unless things change. Absolutely, and the just the. The distinction between the two the products is just so stark, you know. Even with Paul, uh, mm-hmm. or sorry, Triple H's NXT, where Vince is clearly not involved. Yeah. Um, and if I could just get really parochial on on a couple of quick one points. one question, Neil, you, please, because yeah, we, sure. we still have some yeah. phone phone calls. So what is it? What's up? Yeah, uh, I just want to recommend Irish whiskey. If you like Glen Morangi, then you'll love Bush Mills. And secondly. Um, the OTT fifth anniversary show is this weekend. This yes. is really one for the British wrestling experience, and I'm sure they'll get into it next Friday. But um, that Jordan Devlin, David Starr hype video from Sean Ryan, which uh, which John posted the other day, absolutely amazing. You, c- you couldn't possibly watch that video without wanting to see that match. So um, one to cool. watch out for maybe on video on demand for people who can't make it. I'm going on to, to, to Dublin on Saturday for it. So. Well, definitely call in next week, Neil, and uh, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on, on the match live. We go back to the phone lines now. Chris Thunder from Down Under appears oh, wow. in the cafe. Chris, how are you doing? Good morning, lads. How are you going? What time is it there? Um, Good question. It's uh, just after 6 a.m. Oh, perfect. Wow, bright and early. Starting your morning here with the You the know, three, 3 p.m. seems to work for, for a lot of people. Certainly our, our friends in the U.K., uh, maybe a, a, a section of people in... in uh, the New Jersey area, seemingly, and then uh, all the way out in Australia. So what's going on? Um, I just wanted to chat about NWA Power. I'm finding it really refreshing that it's only an hour, and it's something completely different from the other major companies out there that's being offered at the moment. Certainly, yeah. I mean, uh, we were probably going to get to some of our thoughts uh, about NWA Power this week on, on this show, but um, what have been your major takeaways, especially from from this week? I'm finding it really interesting, like how since um, Billy Corgan took over a few years ago, he's slowly been working to restore a certain level of prestige in the NWA in the fans' eyes and slowly been working to get online presence and then pay-per-view and now a weekly series. It's all slowly falling into place. This isn't a rush of a two-month project it's been like two or three years in the working yeah i I, you know i've been listening to a number of uh, interviews with david lagana conducted by uh, not only john but other other people and it's really i think we don't often think about really how small of a crew they really have uh, between he 
David Lagana, of course, uh, and, and, you know, a, a very small group of people. And so I think they've had to take baby steps. They really, you know, it's not like they have a whole production crew behind them that they could just get on TV right away. Even to this point, you know, doing this YouTube show, I feel like they are still stretching themselves pretty thin with regards to how, you know, in that credit role, I don't think a lot of those people are really full time, like working on the show. So, um, no, I would imagine the vast majority were just day of crew as yeah. well. Like the the post production, like it's it's pretty much it's it's Lagana, like it's a very very tiny crew. So um, yeah, uh, would this be a good segue to talk about? Yeah, AW absolutely. Power? All right. Uh, so thank thank you very much, uh, Chris. Any any other quick thought before we let you go? Um, just one question. I'm finding it a bit difficult to watch um, NXT at the moment when watching AEW because one's in a big national arena and the other's in full cell. How much longer do you think they could last in full cell? And I'll take your answer off the air. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. I mean, they've booked dates through the end of the year, so it looks like they're committed to full sale till the end of the year. I, I can't imagine them just, like, upsetting that that no. schedule to go on the road now where you'd have to sell tickets. I mean, you could do anything. but It's not just the tickets, but also getting a traveling TV crew. You know, and and we don't know. Will they piggyback off of like the WWE's own production crew? Um, it's it's the flights. It's it's a way bigger cost operation than having a constant TV studio in a TV production university. And you know? conversely, I mean, is it that big of an upgrade if you're booking twenty five hundred seat venues? Which like I I don't if NXT was running a nine thousand seater like Pittsburgh this mm-hmm. week, I don't know how well they're drawing in a nine thousand seat building for weekly TV. Yeah, yeah. Like, there might be some novelty, but, I mean, we see what the NXT house shows do when they have the, the big crew going out there on the road. They're, mm-hmm. they're not doing um, – and granted, AEW, it's not the immediate sellouts either now. So yeah. I think you're, that's going to level off a bit. But, like, that to me would be the double negative is that you leave full sale, you add all these complications, and it you're doesn't. still in a smaller venue perception-wise than what AEW is running. Um and yeah. we're going to see, you know, AEW, not every week is going to be Pittsburgh, but thus far, the atmosphere, like it's a 10-8 round for, it just, in terms of the enormity, crowd heat, it's not like Full Sail's dead by no. any stretch. Full Sail, they sound alive. But when you triple the size of Full Sail with the same type of rabid audience, I mean, one's going to clear appear way bigger mm-hmm. than the other. But that's not to say NXT doesn't have its own advantages. They have a much bigger talent pool to, mm-hmm. to, to grab from. Better production, I have to say, like, you know, uh, as far as video goes, production and and just uh, uh, elements like that. In the grand scheme, the venue thing to me, it's, that's like a small thing in the bigger picture. It's like when you remember when WCW was like, we're going to change our set. It's like, OK, it's nice that you want to change and upgrade your set. That's not going to cure you of it's not just going to suddenly change the tide overnight that suddenly it's yeah. it's a little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's it's ultimately, you know. Characters catching on, stories that are very riveting, and they shot a really big angle at the end of this week's show that hopefully um, leads to some buzz next week for the follow-up. As we await the uh, numbers from last night, uh, thoughts on NWA Power this week, week week three? Yeah, this week we saw, um, you know, again, kind of the tease of Nick Aldis seeking his next challenger, moving on from Tim Storm, and... The episode was very much focused on Tim Storm mm-hmm. teaming with Eli Drake. On, on the note with the, uh, Nick Aldis, I think uh, really underappreciated Joe Galley. I think he does a tremendous job. I love job. Joe Galley. He is great as playing like, you know, very much an old school straight up announcer. but Like a, a credible journalist that's yes. not made to look like an idiot. He he has been great in these segments with uh, Camille and, and Nick Aldis doing these interviews. I'll say the guy to me that is going to be their breakout babyface star is Eddie Kingston. 
Yeah, you know, I was honestly surprised. I definitely got more heel vibes from him, like in in the previous episodes. But. I I think ultimately he's going to be a very lovable baby faced as the complete opposite of Nick Aldis, who is this well mannered, prestigious world champion, and Eddie Kingston being the the man of the people. That I think long term that would be a program to to get to at at some point, maybe like way down the line. But I think Eddie Kingston is really breaking he, out. He really shines in this format. Oh, I think he's he's such a great contrast and just a guy who was like talking about getting out of the industry at the end of this year. And I think wow. that he's someone that, you know, this, you know, not to say that the NWA is going to necessarily uh, be your full-time gig, but it's something that I think people are getting more exposed to Eddie Kingston at this stage of his career, who's been around for a long time. What did you think of Aaron Stevens, the former Davian Sandow? Yeah, so he's doing this deal. Like he's the Hollywood, like, you know, big-headed yeah, guy. Yeah, doing like the low low rent. But they are going as far as to shoot like <laughs> fake, fake trailers. Fake movies, which I thought was It's like all hilarious. these scenic shots, and then it's one dialogue <laughs> scene with him and the back of a woman's head. Yes. Really cheesy, like, you know, uh, graphics, and, and he's kind of, you know, trying to be the Hollywood star. Yeah, I'm reserved on Aaron Stevens to see where he goes here because I thought he showed a ton of personality in WWE. I thought he showed nothing in Impact, and now he's in a position where we're, we're going to see how he pans out uh, yeah. as, as a character. But, I mean, I thought the trailer was hysterical. I thought it was really funny. And I, I, I'm really curious, too, like, you know, uh, somebody like him, how he functions in a, in a format like this, doing, I think, I would say a much more, I don't know, um, uh, cartoonish character than maybe what you see with somebody like Tim Storm. Where do you think that's going with Tim Storm? I think with Tim Storm, we should we should say what happened on the show. He right. So he, Eli Drake came out as you know a babyface. Well, he was fantastic, Eli Drake. Eli Drake. I, I think long term his role will be a heel turn, maybe on Tim Storm. But I like the idea. I'm thinking the other way around. Tim turns on Eli. Yeah, um, perhaps. Uh, but what I liked about this was that Tim Storm hit the end of the road. He lost this opportunity, his last chance at the NWA title. But the tag titles were presented not as like a step down, but something of equal value. Mm-hmm. And he has this renewed life as a tag team wrestler. And then, of course, uh, leading to the finish where Eli Drake ended up taking the cover uh, in the Dawson's match. I think it was. Or was it the other way around? Tim Storm. That Tim Storm it. got the. It was yeah. when. Uh, Which was a total surprise considering, you know, the whole story leading up to that match was like uh, Tim Storm gaining this renewed life in this division and immediately he takes the pinfall. So I definitely feel like they're telling some type of story with Tim Storm having some sort of crisis about about where his career is uh, probably attached to Eli Drake. And again, I'm amazed at like how much this vehicle and this atmosphere has created new life for, I would say, you know, performers that really have been under the radar and not really, you know, uh, to steal a line, I guess, from Cody, like, um, what is it? Undesirable. <laughs> to undeniable. The God, they've really run that shit to the ground. I know. That's fucking he, annoying. He's really exhausted that Ugh. term and um, serendipitous. Oh, it's a little too much. Yeah. But, um, you know, somebody like Eli Drake or, or even like uh, Aaron Stevens, I've had zero interest in in the past. But in this context, it totally shows them into a brand new light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they did the Josephus angle with 
Colt Cabana dressing up as James Storm. Uh, I didn't know how much didn't that... Didn't really get that. Like, no, he didn't really Colt, land. Was Colt playing with, like, Josephus before the, he, he got turned on? Like, what was going on? Yeah, it seemed like Colt was coming out to kind of just, for, like, haha playing James Storm, but yeah. then it turned into a more serious angle with Josephus. <laughs> but then that segues to James Storm and Colt Cabana, who are feuding as well. So Josephus was kind of just the, the side piece by the end of it. But I want your assessment of... <laughs> All the, I want to talk about, the main event, every time we talk about... Yeah. Yeah. Ads. The commercials. We saw two of them on the show. Yeah, one's more of a vignette for a future right. character, which uh, Lagana mentioned in our interview about the question mark. So the first one was <laughs> the spiritual advisor's invisible hair cream. And I didn't know who the spiritual advisor yeah, was. Yeah, this was the woman attached to J- Josephus. Yes. Yeah. Was she a former wrestler herself? Um, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so she's this bald woman who who is a manager for Josephus, and she was advertising a sp- – <laughs> invisible hair cream it was as bizarre as it sounds as i'm describing it right now and none of these like in the past like the other ones i guess have been more like just absurd Mm -hmm. this one was definitely the most absurd of all of them yeah and i loved it (laughs) i love this stuff i know there are people that are critical of it maybe they're going too far maybe it's jumping the shark yeah they're fun i i i think again the commercial breaks are a perfect time to to just kind of get out of the world and just like i don't know just go crazy with your ideas there's a very clear like different production uh style with these than the body of the show i'm really curious to know who's in charge of it who's who's involved if it's the david lagana if it's billy corrigan how much say they have into it i want to see more and that leads into the vignette for the, the question mark. question mark yes a new character that they're teasing now is this i would say this is you know very much reminiscent of what we've seen in wrestling in the past, promoting a mysterious figure. Yeah, it's just uh, they'll probably air these for, for several weeks, and then maybe it, it pays off at the, the pay-per-view or something like that. I or- think, to me, like they built a good level of faith at this point three weeks in that I feel they will pay off with something really interesting. Nonetheless, I, I'm just here for the videos themselves. Just like the other commercials, this like question mark thing has been... Uh, Unlike anything else that we've seen in professional wrestling, you know, video production uh, up until this point. So I, I'm really curious, definitely. AEW, 963,000 viewers, uh, 0.45 among people 18 to 49. NXT did, where are we here? They did less, 698,000 viewers, uh, 0.21. So both, okay. both shows taking a hit this week. Both shows taking a hit as expected. Was it as big of a hit as as you thought? This is around where where I saw things. Uh, for context, the World Series game did just under twelve million people, and then we also had the uh, basketball doubleheader. Only the first game would have affected them. Uh, the first game that went against them did about one point seven million viewers on Wednesday night. So that's kind of what they were up against. But for the night, uh, AEW among people to eighteen to forty nine, they were fourth. For the night behind the two NBA games and American Horror Story. So I take that as a, you know, for the night um, on cable, by the way. That's not including yes. uh, the World Series game. But um, that's that's a good showing. The the fact that they're maintaining that, that 18 to 49 demo. Yeah. What did they do last week for 18 to 49? I don't know if you have that in front of you. Uh, I but, do. Uh, last week. Point they, four four? Last week uh, among people 18 to 49, they did a point four four last week. So this week doing a point four five. So they were, they were actually right. up. Uh, wow. slightly where they okay. got hurt badly uh was people over 50 last week they did a 0.33 this week gives a 0.25 so that's down quite a uh, a notable amount mm-hmm. and i would think that that's probably a loss to baseball you would think the over 50 audience 
Yeah, perhaps. Uh, or uh, Rachel Maddow, who did a 2.46 amongst people 50 plus. So, yeah. Congrats. WWE them. still beat them in people over 50. And I believe that's the only demo they beat NXT or beat AEW in. They did a 0.33 among people over 50. Okay, well, very interesting. I mean, I, I would have expected the, personally the drop to be a, a, even a bit more than, than what we're seeing here. But I think both both of them somewhat holding steady, in my opinion, at least. Um, yeah, I think that everyone realized that uh, they were going to be down. And I, I think next week's kind of interesting to see where they pick up from. And I don't believe that there would be a World Series game going against them. I guess it depends how, how deep the series goes as well. Mm-hmm. I don't have the schedule off the top of my head. Um, I guess we could look that up. But there you go. We got one more phone call to get to. And this person has been trying to call in the whole show. So I'm All glad right. we can get him on. We go to Boyd. Boyd, what is on your mind? Hey, guys. How you doing? Very doing well. well. Where are you calling from, Boyd? Glasgow. Glasgow. Wonderful. Yeah. How, uh, listen to your whiskey tasting the other night. You enjoyed it? <laughs> I had haggis for the first time. Amazing. Yeah, you didn't sound that impressed, way. <laughs> it was okay. Do you like it? <laughs> uh, it depends. It's You can get good ones and bad ones. So similar to, I think, John's chicken burger that he gets in that place in downtown Toronto. <laughs> it can be amazing or it can be pretty awful. Wonderful. World colliding. What's on your mind? Uh, well, just before I start, you made me laugh, actually, because I've been watching NWA Power. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, and actually, I don't know if this says more about me or more about my opinion of America, but I actually thought those adverts were real adverts. You, yeah, you oh, thought they did, were... did you send away for a, a money order for in the invisible hair cream? No, no, but I, I did have it down to next time we go to America, go to the tire irons and waffle place for some lunch. <laughs> you can go to the wrestling school. <laughs> yeah. So my question kind of falls on for a lot of questions tonight. Um, I've been kind of just give you a bit of history. I'm a bit of a lapsed fan, not really watching kind of WCW went down the toilet in 2000, 2001. Um, kind of kept watching the odd bit of WWE. Sunday, we get a highlight show of Raw and Sky. It's an hour show. I usually fast forward through most of it and watch it in five minutes. Really enjoying AEW and AEW Power. Um, in terms of ratings, so. I heard, just heard John talk about the ratings there. So it seems like the guys are kind of plateaued out at 690,000 odds for NXT and about a million odds for AEW. Where do you think the 400,000 have disappeared to from week one of AEW? Now, a couple of things I've heard this week. So way, I heard you mention the Dynamite review about the Orange Cassidy um, piece this week, which I've not seen yet, and how that will appear to the kind of hardcore AEW fans, but maybe not a casual audience. And I don't know if you saw the comments that Jim Ross made on his Grilling JR podcast about um, all the flips, too many flips, basically, and kind of criticising that it's more about sports now rather than ring psychology. I haven't heard those comments from JR myself, but um, I, I mean, it's a stance that, I, you know, he's he's very been, been pretty clear about in the past. And it kind of comes across in commentary, to be honest with you. And there are instances where I agree and instances where I disagree. Uh, we're going to have to let you go, Boyd, but uh, thank you very much for the call. We'll answer uh, off air. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a stance JR, JR takes, and I think that it's it's a valid criticism. Um, you know, I, I do feel like, though, it'll have to be a compromise between, you know, clearly the fans want that athleticism. Um, but I think, you know, it, that can wear thin. 
eventually. And I think ultimately for an enduring product, you have the best combination of athleticism with ring psychology. And hopefully with somebody like Jared there with the presence of, you know, Cody at the helm. And I think even like judging by Tony Khan's taste, he seems somebody like somebody who really appreciates the best elements of all those things. So hopefully with all these minds together, you get a much more of a influence across the board rather than everybody kind of doing their own thing right now, which is what it really feels like. You, you want the mix, but you also have to be adaptable to understanding what's working instead of seeing, you know, the reaction live in the building. And for most people after that, uh, Lucha Bros match with Private Party last night. And instead of, you know, picking it apart and saying, well, why is everyone wrong for enjoying this, looking at the fact that most people enjoyed this? Yes, it's true. Um, but it um, doesn't mean you can't improve. Like, there, there are improvements to be had, I think, across you know, every, every facet of, of their production and all these types of matches. Yes. Uh, so now I get to enjoy for the next uh, 48 hours my favorite part of the week because that's when I uh, tweet out the numbers and I get responses for the next two weeks uh, or the next two days of everybody uh dissect the comments dude i could write a book of these comments you mean for ratings oh yeah now what is, if wh- if ever there is the example of just seeing sharks floating in the water and just throwing fish at them because like i'll tell you something and it's that like even for myself going through these numbers every single week now for for four weeks in i'm learning a lot more about the rating system and how it works and what it really means than i have in the past how much you know are you sensing the general public really knows about ratings at this point how how much do they truly understand these numbers beyond maybe oh this is up this is down i think that's the baseline kind of it's just it's it's like looking at a scoreboard Points. that's yeah. what it is and there's no reason to look at either of these numbers and say failure um at all it's ultimately comes down to their ability like at, at the very core of any kind of programming it is the audience you can attract that you can then turn into revenue that's that's the goal of all of this that's what will make a broadcaster happy if way and i i'll just try and simplify it as much as i can for people if we were to do a live stream okay and a million people tuned in free on youtube to watch us that's a huge number but if those million people a thousand people decide to go to our website and 500 of those people end up signing up for our Patreon. That's the number that's ultimately the value there. The million is nice, but if the if 90% of them are never going to mm-hmm. spend the doll, if you cannot convert this into what a program that does 900, 963,000 viewers yeah. uh, is worth, if you can't make money up, like that's where the number, it's just impressions. These are the impressions. How can we convert these impressions into ad revenue? For sure. And are we hitting the audience that is going to be most attractive to our advertisers? And that's that's ultimately what these shows are trying to do, where you can take that overall viewership, but it's really narrowing what audience are you after in those demographics that we can sell advertising on and ultimately make money for what we are investing in these programs in lucrative time slots. Let's also remember, like, you know, the the at least for AEW, I mean, the initial estimations from, from those insiders were 500,000. And they've been consistently doing, you know, around a million at this point. So, I, I think TNT so, is they oh, probably be. over the moon with with these numbers, what they're hitting. And what about USA? USA, I would say, given the the investment here, um, I, I don't think they expected that they were swapping this in SmackDown for this, that they mm-hmm. were going to be doing 2 million viewers every week. Um, 
they haven't really commented on kind of what their expectation level was. Um, you know, the the difference is that if you look at the primetime average on USA, not only should wrestling have to meet that, but also like wrestling just historically doesn't get the same advertising revenue as so others. It so better. it has to do even better. Mm-hmm. So this is not a number that's that's inflating your your primetime average. So you have that going against you. Any idea what the average is? I, I'd have to I'd have oh, to do the sorry. do the math on it. Yeah. But it's um you know, I'd I'd want to say it's like a little bit above this. Yeah. Yeah. Or okay. or right at that range. Right. Okay. Well, uh very interesting and I appreciate uh maybe the the weekly insight and education process on on uh, American television ratings. Before we sign off, I want to just look ahead to next week because we're going to have a very a bit of a different schedule because it's a crazy stretch of shows. So the Cafe Hangout is going to be done next Thursday night. We're not going to be doing a show in this time slot because this is when Crown Jewel is going to be taking place. Mm-hmm. So you and I are going to go live Thursday night. Do we have a time for that? 11? I think that- we'll say 11, which is w- when we usually do our post shows. But yeah, this will kind of pretty much be our Crown Jewel post show slash, you know, this week's Cafe Hangout where we want to talk to all of you, not, you know, about this show that I don't think any of us are really that enthused about. Uh, but more so hearing your opinions about just everything that's going on. Yeah, we're going to kind of open it up to you. Yeah. And, you know, we'll do a brief recap of the show, but also want to make it very um, caller heavy. So I know for some people in parts of the world, uh, the time next week might not be the most convenient. So, But for some, it will be more convenient. Yeah, for some, it will. Today, so. so we will be live Thursday night, 11 p.m. Eastern time. And it's really the only time we can fit in uh, the show next week because the following day, is SmackDown, then there's a UFC and MLW show Saturday, there's Power Struggle Sunday, so it's just one of those really intense uh, weekends on top of the fact there's going to be a four or five hour WWE pay-per-view on a Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow, rewind to SmackDown, we'll be um, taking our second dose of Venom for (laughs) the week, and uh, Thunderstruck debuts on Saturday on our free feed. That's right. So check that out. It is WH Park going through the catalog of Jushin, Li- Jushin Liger matches. He'll welcome Damon McDonald from the Super J cast. First episode will cover the Liger Naoki Sano match from January of 1990. So if you want to watch that ahead of time, they'll be dissecting that match and its uh, legacy on 19, uh, from 1990 on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be it. So Wei and I are going to bid you all a farewell. We'll chat with you on Friday night. For members of the cafe, we will have Rewind to SmackDown coming your way with a full review of that show, which will be on FS1 in the U.S. and normal places here in Canada. That's right. All right. That's it. Goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to the Cafe Hangout.